0: Well, um, for those of you who don't know me, uh, my name is Doug Espy, so myself um, and my family have been coming to Project Church, well, Restoration Church now, for a couple of years. Um, I'm married to the beautiful Carly over there. I've got two boys, um, Rylan and Elliot, who you'll see stomping around the church, um, certainly every Sunday. And it's my privilege to be able to talk to you today about um, Ecclesiastes and to dive in. Now, to dive into an ancient book... I want to start in 2023. Who here knows what the most popular podcast in the world for the last couple of years has been? Did I hear Joe Rogan? Joe Rogan. Uh, raise your hand if you know who Joe Rogan is. I'm trying to get a brief idea here. Okay, yeah, yeah a few of you, a few of you. Um, any idea why he's so popular? Talks to everyone. Talks to everyone. And he's open-minded. He's got literally thousands of episodes. He's a secular comedian um, who's very bright, very sharp. And he does talk to anyone and everyone. You name it. Multi-billionaires, NASA scientists, um, the CEOs of Twitter. That's an exciting episode. (laughs) Um, Elon Musk. Um, They didn't get the, the execs and Elon in the same room at the same time. Um, but they have, they have um, big game hunters, they have North Korean defectors come in, just all sorts of people with fascinating conversations, and a lot of his interviews go for roughly three hours wow. with these people, and it really is fascinating, it really is interesting. Um, now, I don't see this as a blanket endorsement from the pulpit of, of Joe Rogan, um, he's, he's a secular comedian and you get exactly what you expect. Um, but in there, there's some brilliantly interesting insights. And I want you to imagine, um, fictionally, that one day you um, decide to crack open your Spotify or whatever you cool young people do, um, <laughs> crack it open, um, tell it on your YouTube, and you listen to the latest episode. And the latest episode is about yet another multi-billionaire. But this multi-billionaire has a twist in his story. And it goes a little something like this. Once this man made his fortune, he decides to become the most knowledgeable man on planet Earth. That was his goal. So this billionaire, from Monday to Friday, for 10 years straight, books back-to-back appointments with academics and religious leaders from all over the world. You name the area, he had an appointment, at least an hour or so with the expert in that field. Could you imagine what he would have learned? Could you imagine what he would have to share? And in this fictional scenario, this billionaire has some amazing things. And you begin to think maybe he is the most knowledgeable man in the world. But that's not even half of it. The next 10 years of this man's life, he decides to do the complete opposite of everything he's learned. The complete opposite. So, from Monday to Friday, he devotes whole weeks to doing the opposite. So, the seven habits of highly effective people, he spent a whole week trying to be as ineffective as possible. Um, The religious gurus from the East, he did the complete opposite of that worldview and went into um, Christianity, experimented for a week. And then he went into Satanism for the next week. Just total opposites of all the wisdom he's ever learned. He says a mistake is a social construct. No such thing as mistake. No such thing as foolishness. Nothing is off limits. He did it all. It would be amazing to hear his stories. And this man, he wants to live. He wants to experience life in all of its fullness, in wisdom and in absolute, complete foolishness. And then you also find out what he's been doing on Saturday and Sunday. This fictional billionaire also has a side hobby as an architect. And because he can, he was uh, designing his own buildings, creating his own construction companies, and then they build whatever he drew on his porch on a lazy Saturday afternoon. Now, you could imagine that after hearing all this, there's a lot more than three hours here, after hearing all this, Joe asks the question, and Joe's very good at this. Joe asks the question to this man, and he says, so what do you think about life now, mate? You've heard it all. You've done it all. I I, want to know, and and I think everyone listening wants to know, what do you think about life now? You've done things that none of us, well, few of us could ever do because you have the money and you have the time. What do you think about life? And mate sits there for a while and he ponders. And then he says, Joe, mate, I put down life and everything I've done, mate, everything I've done, into three categories useless, temporary, or incomprehensible. Straight up, everything I've done useless, temporary, or incomprehensible. I have seriously done. Some useless things, like absolutely useless. I've poured effort into things that just didn't work. I've also done a lot of temporary stuff that I can't even talk about on this interview, which didn't even last, and incomprehensible. Mate, I've poured time and time and time into certain ventures, and they've totally failed. I did everything right, everything right. I read all the books. I talked to all the pros. I did everything right. The venture failed. Other times, I did the complete opposite, and it worked. I didn't do anything right, and it just came together. That's life. And actually, if you give me another second, Joe, let me put it this way. The ancient Hebrews have a word for it. A-, a rabbi told me this once. They have a word for it. It's hevel. Hevel. And I love that word, Joe. I love it. Because hevel is basically smoke. And I reckon the Hebrews honour on or something. You think about it, think about it. Smoke, it's pretty much mostly useless. It's temporary. And who knows where it's going to go next? That's life. And those Hebrews honor something. So if anyone ever takes the time to ask me, what do you think about life? I'll say, Hevel. (laughs) That's where it's at, mate, Hevel. (laughs) And at that point in the podcast... Your ride has arrived, and you decide to turn it off because that's pretty bleak. That's, that's really bleak, right? So you go to your Bible, you decide to go home, and you're doing pretty good actually for your January Bible reading plan. So you crack open your Bible, and where are you? You're in Ecclesiastes. And what do you read? Well, You find that word hevel, first of all. You find that word hevel that um, the billionaire was talking about. And everything, according to Ecclesiastes, is hevel. In fact, let me give you a list to make it more real. Seeking pleasure, the inspired word of God says, is hevel, which means useless, temporary, or incomprehensible. Working is hevel. Being extremely wise is hevel. Rivalry between you and your neighbor is hevel. Laboring and depriving yourself of pleasure is hevel. Trusting in people is hevel. Trusting in people's dreams or their words, it's hevel. Loving money and abundance is hevel. Being dissatisfied is hevel. The fact that the righteous die and the wicked live is hevel. The future is hevel. And that is how Ecclesiastes starts and that is how Ecclesiastes ends. Everything is useless, temporary, or incomprehensible. It's one of those three things, or a combination. That's what Ecclesiastes says. Now, to bring this truth into this room, everyone knows on some level that this assessment is true. Even the most wild-eyed optimists sitting amongst us know that this assessment is true with just a few moments of sober reflection, a few moments in your photo album. In fact, we've all done things that are ultimately useless. Everyone has felt the incredible frustration of doing something that doesn't work, especially when it's important to us. But what about the temporary things? We have a number of older saints in this room, and I reckon you could count on maybe two hands, maybe two hands. The things that have stayed the same since you were a child. Everything's temporary. Let alone the incomprehensible. Uh, 2019? 2020? 2021? 2022? Incomprehensible. How many of our plans got shifted? How many of us had families and jobs that were radically tilted in different directions over the last three years? How many of us had conversations we never thought we would have? Arguments we never thought we'd ever have? uh, Decisions we would never thought we'd have to make? How many of our things we thought were stable weren't? Let alone the black swan events in our lives. Some of you may have heard of black swan events. Black swan events are events that are extremely rare, extremely severe. They can be predicted by everyone in hindsight, and virtually no one beforehand. Extremely rare, extremely severe, obvious to everyone, with a pair of eyes in hindsight, and virtually undetectable, even to experts in the field before the event itself. How many of us have had black swan events cruise into our lives unexpectedly? The facts are, this is the way life is, and this is, the way, this is what the Bible teaches. So how are you to live in light of this sobering reality that we just cannot escape? Well, the Bible has three things. Well, I'm going to bring three. There's a lot more than that, but I want to give you three. First of all, today, you need to take a deep breath, sitting in your chair, and you need to realize that there is no such thing as a one-sided coin. There is no such thing as a one-sided coin. Everything is Hevel. Everything has an aspect of uselessness, temporariness, or incomprehensibility. But everything also has aspects of usefulness, of permanence, and of comprehendability. It's very rare to find something that doesn't have both. In fact, I might get, um, Selena if you could put up our photo. You probably can't see this too well. Don't worry about it yet. Uh, this is a picture I took yesterday um, of a memorial that I think probably very few of you have ever been to. You all know Queen's Park, but I bet you don't know that monument. You know the canon in Queen's Park, but you probably don't know this one. This is on the corner of Lindsay and uh, Margaret Street. And it's a monument dedicated to a very particular person. Um, could we go to the next slide, please, um, Selena? I don't know if you can read this, but it says erected by citizens as an appreciation of the service rendered to Toowoomba and the district by William Charles Peake. Now, what has this got to do with anything? Well, here is um, an expression of gratitude for a man that none of us, I don't think, in this room would know. This is less than 100 years old, P.S., but this is a man that no one knew in this room, and in Toowoomba today, probably. But everyone in Toowoomba knew him at one point. What did he do? Well, he was a very prominent businessman who had a huge part to play in the Toowoomba show and in setting up a lot of our banks and things like that. And he had such a powerful, good, benevolent influence that they made this for him. And it's still there. You can go visit it. His life is Hevel. If he's after recognition, that's useless. If he was after being in the memory of people or in the history books... It's been temporary, a whole lifetime. Even as one as august and as impressive as this. And if you're after comprehendability, no one knew who he was before I started speaking here, or very few. And yet, how useful was he? How useful was he? A lot of stuff in Tumba wouldn't be here. You wouldn't even know it if it wasn't for this guy, whose name you just learned. Permanence? Go down the CBD. You'll, You'll see some of the stuff that he's done. And comprehendability? I think it's pretty obvious what I'm saying. You understand what I'm saying. This man's life was Hevel, but this man's life also had permanence. Um, it had comprehendability, and it also had usefulness. Does that make sense? Now look at your own life. Even the most useless things you've done have had an impact on you. You remember them well, and you were different from who you were. Maybe you realized how impatient deep down you really are. (laughs) Maybe you realized um, that actually that was a bad way to do it. Now I know the right way to do it. And those things, they impressed themselves upon your eternal soul. They had an eternal impact, even in little things, even in the little things. The temporary stuff you've experienced, that stamped itself on you. It marked you. And you are not the same afterwards, those temporary things. And when you hit the wall of incomprehensibility, when you didn't understand what's just happened, in some ways, you learned about your finitude, your humanity. Everything is heavy. And yet there's no such thing as a one-sided coin. That's what the Bible's whole teaching wants you to see. And you need to wrestle with that. If you're a pessimist, you need to wrestle with the good news of the Bible. And if you're an optimist, You need to wrestle with the bad news in the Bible because the Bible's got both. The Bible has both, and it wants to balance you out, and it wants to balance us out. That's the purpose of the teacher. That's the purpose of the one who wrote Ecclesiastes. You need balance. You need to know what it means to live in this life properly and soberly. The next thing, since it's January 2023, you've got to incorporate Havel into your planning, into your diary. Um, I want you to consider James's words to us, and if we could put them up. <laughs> Thanks, Lynn. Check out what James says about how your diary should look. Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow, we'll go to do this or that in the city, spend a year there, carry on business, make some money. Why? You don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist, a smoke, that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, All of us here in 2023 should say, if it's the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. And all such boasting is evil. Um, Is that you? Is that the way you write your diary? Is that the way you write things on your calendar? I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to make some money here in my employment. Or I'm going to make some money there with my client. And you don't even think twice. Is that the way you operate? Because you live in a havel have world. And God's in control. And you are not. And the last three years have definitely taught us these things. So let me encourage you, hold your plans. Make plans. Don't get me wrong. Make plans. But hold them loosely. Hold them loosely and humbly. Because there's nothing worse than an arrogant person holding on their plans tightly. You know what that looks like. Don't be that person. Hold your hands loosely and humbly and trust the wise God who's actually writing the story, who's actually writing the calendar down. You have your events on your calendar. In Invisible Ink, God's put His events on your calendar. And you need to be ready for that. Um, And you can trust Him, even when there's bad things on that calendar. As I tell my um, students at the high school that I work at, if you ever need a demonstration... That God can wield dirty tools with holy hands, that He can hijack evil and use it even for a greater good. Look to the cross. Look to the cross. The greatest example of heaven, the greatest example of evil that any of us can ever experience or know. And yet, what an amazing thing. The pinnacle of God's power was in that. And you see that on the cross, and you will see that on your calendar. That's the promises that God has. So hold your plans loosely and humbly. Now, my third and final um, idea for how we should operate in this world from Scripture is this. None of us can make a clean break from 2022. And, and you've got to admit that to yourself. We have these resolutions. And I say, all power to you. Do resolutions. I've got a few this year. But none of us get a clean break. None of us pr- gets to press the reboot button, Ultimately. 2022. Who you were in December 31st, 2022, is probably real similar to who you are today. A week or so later. Okay? We don't get a clean break. And for some of you, I hope I'm speaking to a minority of you, but maybe I'm not. Some of you have some really hard decisions to make this year. And it take you ages to explain it to someone who asks. But you have some extremely difficult decisions to make, and there's no way out. The solution is a vapor, and it's like you're trying to grab smoke. And you're struggling. You're really struggling. 2022 is a year you'll remember for all the wrong reasons. And can I encourage you in that space, if that's you, to go to the garden? To go to the garden. To go to the garden where we see Jesus on the night he was betrayed. He had an extremely difficult future ahead and extremely difficult decisions to make. And what do you see him do? He's not walking around optimistically. He's not crying hopelessly and pessimistically. But he's praying. And he's tense. And he's struggling. And if you can imagine the scene, it's like he's being grabbed by the circumstances around him and wrung out. And he makes the garden bloody with his sweat. That is the level of tension that is within him. Few human beings have ever experienced that level of tension. And yet he has. And yet he has. And if you read that passage, you'll notice that while he's getting twisted out, he's praying for you. While you and the people ahead of him, all the Christians ahead of him, uh, on his mind and on his lips he's already sweating blood he's already giving blood in a lot of ways <laughs> i would love to be a disciple um, a couple of days after that and to say jesus what did you pray in that garden what was your prayer anyway when you're speaking to the resurrected christ and then christ explains it And then christ explains what his prayer was and i think their hearts would leap and I want your heart to, do, to have some sort of that feeling, some sort of that leap within it, because he does that for you. He goes through that tension for you. And it's not just he does it for you as an abstract idea. Oh, I'll just do this for Graham. Oh, I'll just do this for Robin. Oh, I'll just do this for et cetera, et cetera. No, he doesn't just do these things for you. He feels more greatly than you ever have in that area. So it resonates with him. It resonates. If you find yourself walking with an emotional limp this year, then I'd encourage you to go to the road. See the man walking down the road, hunched over, limping on his way to the cross, to the place of the skull, the Bible calls it. He's carrying a cross. He's covered in welts. But what do you think was heavier? The cross and the scourging? Or the weight of abandonment? and the weight of the mockery around him. He knows. He knows what it's like. He knows. And he cares. And he's powerful enough to do something about it, and powerful enough to hold you. If you find yourself experiencing chronic pain, emotional or physical, that is actually disabling your life, see the man whose nerves scream with every thud of the hammer. And see the man who holds the emotional agony of the sins of humanity upon him. I can't think of a greater emotional weight. I can't think of a greater cumulative amount of pain for any human being who's ever endured. The, the physical agony of crucifixion and the emotional unimaginable, incomprehensible even, agony of our sins laid upon him. No one has experienced that. No one here has experienced that. But he did for you. And he knows. He knows what it's like. And if your circumstances are beyond words, you can't even talk about them, then I can, can I encourage you to go to the tomb of Jesus? Not on Sunday. Go to the tomb of Jesus on Saturday. Sit in the darkness of that place. If you could, if you could, you somehow go back there. And if you could be there in the darkness of that tomb, it's pitch black. The tomb itself is sealed by the powers of darkness. And right next to you is the dead Christ. What do you do in that place? What do you do in that silence? Well, I reckon even if, as a 21st century Christian, you know What's coming? You know that Jesus um, defeats death and that he wins. I still think in the coldness of that place, I still think you'd say, you'd whisper. I still think you'd whisper things like, the Son of Man will be given away to the Gentiles and he'll be given up and he will die and on the third day he will rise again. You might even whisper a psalm You will not let your Holy One see decay. You will whisper these things in that darkness. Even though you know the ending, you'll whisper those things. And the answer you get will be silence. And right now, if you're in the tomb of your circumstances, so to speak, in an analogous way, if you're in the tomb of your circumstances, and you came to church with the tiniest flicker of faith left in you, and you're in this dark place, Whisper, whisper into the dark. Whisper things like, we know that in all things God works together for good for those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. Whisper words like, for we are more than conquerors in Christ who loved us and gave himself for us. Whisper those words in the darkness of your tomb and the answer you get, it's probably going to be silence. It's Saturday, but your Sunday is coming. It's Saturday, but your Sunday is coming. And I can tell you that, not on my own opinion, not on my own authority, but on the authority of the one whose blood was shed for your Sunday. He bought your Sunday with his blood. So you remind yourself of that. You tell yourself that. You whisper that to the dark. You shout that at the dark if you must. But your Sunday has been brought. It has been brought to you and it's been bought by the blood of Christ. And whether you are in unbelief or whether you're a believer when your Sunday comes, your Sunday is coming. Your Sunday is coming. You need to know this. You need to hold fast to that. And maybe your Sunday, your personal Sunday your resurrection from your circumstances, that can be tomorrow. It could be. It could be in a few weeks' time, or maybe a few months, or maybe you may even have to wait. Maybe you'll have to wait to that final Sunday, that final Sunday, where Jesus returns, and there's no more bloody gardens. There's no more empty, uh, empty tombs. There's no more death. There's no more emotional limps. And the world's transformed, and you are transformed. Maybe you'll have to wait that long, but you can trust Him because your Sunday's coming, and not a drop of Jesus' blood has been wasted and will be wasted. Now, as we wrap up, I want to encourage you on a very simple way to trust God's promises and not trust your present circumstances. I've delivered something pretty heavy for those of you who are in a very heavy place. But for those of you who are in a very light place, the message is actually the same. Don't put your faith in your circumstances. If everything's good right now, don't put your faith in your circumstances. Put your faith in God. If you're in a horribly dark place, don't put your faith in your circumstances. Put your faith in God. With your diary and with your pain... Own your finitude and rest in his infinity. Own your finitude and rest in his infinity. That is the summary of what the spirit inspired teacher of Ecclesiastes and God himself would have you do this week. So do it. I'm going to pray. I'm going to give you some time now as I pray to talk to God about wherever you're at, to talk to him about your plans to talk to him about your pain, and to put your trust in him again. So let's pray. Father, I thank you that you are so good. I thank you, Jesus, that you are so loving. And Jesus, we all sit here in very different seats. Jesus, you have defeated Havel. And Jesus, we now humbly and trustingly place our plans in your hands as well as our pain in 2023 in your name. Amen.